Hi there, this is Mitch Perry, and you're listening to the Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 302 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here, as always. And this week, we've got a double feature. This is like going to a drive-in theater tonight. <laughs> okay, that was kind of dumb, but... <laughs> no, it wasn't. You chuckled, at least. Ha- have some more faith in your jokes, Trent. <laughs> I think only a couple times, two or three times in the past, we've we've had an episode where we doubled up and we thought, you know what, we've literally got eight or ten episodes right now sitting in the can and don't yeah. want these to get too far away from when so they're recorded. Yeah, let's get this going. Yeah. So today we've got Mitch Perry, guitarist extraordinaire from right. currently the Mitch Perry group, but from a ton of other great things we'll mention here in a bit. And then we've also got... In Theory, Mike Mostert and Tony Cavino, which is a great new band. So we're going to be talking to all three of those guys here coming up in just a bit. But first, we need to let you know who we're sponsored by. DEB Concerts, promoter based in Tulsa that has brought a lot of killer acts to the downtown Tulsa area at the BOK Center and the IDL Ballroom. They also booked the Roadhouse Stage at Rocklahoma. The show on December 12th with Lita Ford was recently canceled, but if you like Lita Ford, no worries, because April 10th, downtown Tulsa, outdoors in front of the Ideal Ballroom, Queensryche will be performing with Lita Ford, Nita Strauss, and the Bullet Boys. Very cool lineup there. You can get all your ticket info, debconcerts.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. We, of course, will keep you up to date on any other new additions to their calendar or any other reschedules as well. So keep it here and follow DEB Concerts. Hell Hot Hot Sauce is a hot sauce company located out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. You can check out their entire product line at their website, which is hellhothotsauce.com. You can also follow them on their socials. Both Instagram and Facebook are at Hella Hot Hot Sauce. They do a lot of collaborations. They've got a couple with some metal artists like Ghoul has a sauce called Brain Jerk. And Florida Frank from Hatebreed has a sauce called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. We've got a lot of that and it's excellent stuff, but it'll it'll burn your insides pretty good. So if you're interested in hot sauce... Get on hellhothotsauce.com and check out what they've got. If you're on the West Coast, you can find them in a lot of stores out there as well. Get on there and tell them we sent you. Sunset Tattoo. It's a tattoo shop in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. They are mother approved. Jake and his crew have over 25 years of experience. They do excellent work. You can see photo proof of all that work on their Facebook, which is Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. Their Instagram is also at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. You give them a call or shoot them a message. You can set up a time to get over there, talk about what work you want to have done. If you contact them, check them out, tell them Thunder Underground sent you. And finally, Med Farm is a dispensary in Broken Air, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51, right off the highway. Can't miss them. Huge selection, and you can check it all out at leafly.com. They've got a drive through If you call ahead or text ahead, they'll have your order ready while we show up. So that's very convenient. They also 
give 30% of their proceeds to build no-kill animal shelters, which is a pretty badass cause that we're very happy to talk about here. If you also mention Thunder Underground, they give you 10% off your first order. They're always running other specials as well, so if you follow them on their socials, MedFarm is P-H-A-R-M on Facebook, and MedFarm OK on Instagram. You won't miss any of that stuff. And a huge thank you to MedFarm. All right, so before we get into some Mitch Perry talk, what do you got anything you want to talk about? Last night, I I don't know what we were doing. Uh, Melissa and I, we were on YouTube for something. I can't fucking remember. And you know how sometimes, you know, it just like, it just kind of suggests stuff for you. Yeah. As all these apps do now, whatever. Um, The All Within My Hands from Metallica thing popped up, the whole two hours and five minutes of it. And I'm like, holy shit, somebody ripped it and put it on YouTube. God <laughs> damn it. And so we, f- we fired it right up. Because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we were decorating the tree, uh, cleaning shit out. We were doing all kinds of stuff around the house. And I was like, let's just put this on. Like it's going to be gone before it's, I know it. Yeah, it, but it's <laughs> going to be gone probably by tomorrow. And um, so we watched it and I really, I really enjoyed it. There's a couple parts where I just kind of didn't care. But I mean, you know, I really liked how they, I really liked how they did it. Um, they did their whole acoustic thing. James and Lars's son came out and did like tambourine on one song. Uh, and James's kid looks exactly like he did when he was 18. Wow. Long hair, Hesher, you know, black jeans, fucking looks, looks like all the fucking, you know, you know, the burnouts in high school that we <laughs> wanted to be like, but were too, too nerdy. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, they did a they did a cover of the House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> Can that? I'm sure it was better than Five Finger Death. Punch. Oh well, yeah. I mean, if I I could I could I could fart out House of the Rising Sun and it would be better than Five Finger Death Punch. But I've never really was a big fucking fan of that song, anyways. Yeah. So I'm like, nah, whatever. Um, and then they did they did an acoustic version of Now Now That We're Dead, which I was like, nah, I don't know. Okay. But everything else was really cool. They did it. They did a really cool acoustic version of "Creeping Death." Um, they changed it around, but it sounded really badass. Um, they did waste. You know, and this is a part where they they plug in for a few songs. They did "Wasting My Hate," which I don't know why they don't fucking play that every night. I know it's so fucking badass. That's one of my favorite. Well, it's definitely my favorite song from the Load era. Oh, Load oh, and yeah. Re- Load oh, and Reload. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh. So, yeah, I know when you sent a message to me and Jason Carroll saying this is up, and I'm like, I meant to watch it. And then right after that, Jason Carroll sent a live stream, a free live stream of the Tyson Roy right. Jones Jr. fight. So I'm like, I got sucked into that. Right. right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I, I just, I, you know, I sent it to you guys because I'm like, uh, who knows how the fuck long this is going to be up. Right. Because Metallica is pretty. You know, they keep they keep a tight hold on a lot of that stuff. So I was like, I'm just gonna at least as they should. Yeah, I'm just gonna at least tell them it's there just in case. And uh So what quick question was the which song? Was it Disposable Heroes? That was the reimagined version of the acoustic version or what song was it? Yes. Yeah, they is that so they've always on these things they always do it they do this really cool acoustic version of disposable heroes. You know, they kind of reimagine it and change it up a lot, right? Yeah. So on this one, they did a plugged-in cover 
of the acoustic rendition. So it was like a, a, an electric version of Disposable Heroes, but like a different arrangement. I don't yeah. know. Does that make sense how yeah. I'm saying that? Yeah. So that was cool. And it um, sounded good plugged in? It sounded cool plugged in. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's going to become like a live staple, but I mean, for that, that's fine. I think it was, it was cool. Um, you know, and then, uh, yeah, wasting my hate and then, but yeah, no, it was fun. Uh, you know, by the time anyone hears this, it might not be up anymore, but if it is, go check it out. Yeah. You know, I know Metallica at least put up their own, like a two song clip from it for free, but I figure it's like most stuff that'll show up on their actual YouTube channel next year sometime. Right. Or right. Something. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I think it'd be cool if they did a vinyl thing like the last one. Yeah. You know, with this live set, cause it was, it was an interesting set. Yeah. Speaking of, Vinyl Metallica. I got I got the first oh, right, right. vinyl club in. You have not yet, have you? I forgot to tell you after we talked about that, I looked it up again and mine's supposed to arrive December first. Okay. So what what's that like in two or three days or something? Yeah. By the time someone's hearing this, yeah, you I'll should probably, have got that. Hopefully I'll have it. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Metallica, Steven Seagal's just released. A cover of Master of Puppets. Oh, God. I, I didn't even know this. Let's just keep going. Time for the interviews. I thought you liked those oh guys. Oh, God. Steven Seagal? Or the... No, not Steven Seagal. Steve and Seagal is the Oh, band. God. I must not... You remember them? not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, the, I'll the look Bluegrass that up. Band. Yeah, I'll look that up. Two, it came out the week before last, and then I forgot to send it to you guys. It, and then this past Friday, they released a cover of Money Talks. Nice. Which I thought was a little better. Yeah. And then there was also, I'm just like going down a rabbit hole here, but also on YouTube, that thing I sent you, I should have looked it up. I forgot the dude's name, but he's one of those guys on YouTube that does the reimagined things. Yeah. And he released Master of Puppets if it was written by Typo Negative. Oh, I still haven't listened to that. Yeah. And it's pretty brilliant. I, I need to listen to that. I mean, this guy does such a great job at like channeling that sound because, I mean, you could probably easily rip off Peter Steele's style voice, but it's right. hard to duplicate even that guitar sound and keyboard sound. Yeah. But he did the song just completely reimagined. Yeah. Like, literally, if Typo wrote it, like, it's not at all, like, at first you don't even know what it is until you hear the lyrics, and even then you're like, that sounds familiar, because he's singing it slow. And Yeah. But anyway, so there's something else cool to check out. I'll check that out. Yeah. He also did Blackened if Romstein recorded it, and that was pretty cool, too. <laughs> On a totally different note, Mitch Perry has a newer band that just put out their debut album this year called the Mitch Perry Group. He, of course, has been doing this for 40 years now. He's been in Steeler. He's been in Talus. He's been in the Michael Shanker Group. He's played with Lita Ford. He's played with Cher for quite a while. Right, yeah. He played. He's played with the Sweet for. I believe he still plays with them when they right. when they are out playing. He's been doing that for this past six eight years, I think. Yeah. I know there's probably some other stuff I'm forgetting here, but the guy he also has solo albums out that are fantastic. And this album called Music Box by the Mitch Perry Group sounds straight up like '70s classic rock, and it's. One of my favorite albums this year, so I think everybody should definitely check this out. It's Rolling Stonesy, I guess is a good way to put mm -hmm. it. 
Yeah. With it, you know, a few other things going on. It's got some some different some different styles, but I think Rolling Stones is a good way to compare it. But Mitch Perry was also on this podcast back on episode 261. And then he was actually on our Eddie Van Halen tribute. Nice. Episode 292, which you're going to hear what he said there coming right. up in this interview. So I wanted to preface this with saying that, that like about half of this interview is about Eddie Van Halen. And I want people to know that, no, we're not the type of people that sensationalize crap and just talk to someone else about it. <laughs> someone else that was talked to Mitch Perry that we were going to talk to him about Eddie Van Halen for that episode. And then we just kind of turned it into a full, another full interview. Cause right. last time we talked to him, the album wasn't out yet. Now it is. So there you go. So let's just jump into this. Here's Mitch Perry. guys recently released St. Valentine as your new single. Just kind of talk about the decision on why you guys decided that was the the perfect song to be released now. Well, you know, going back to the original release of the album, this was always our uh, intended first single. And the only reason it didn't wind up being that way is the same uh, day we got our record back from the... Uh, from the uh, mixers, um, you know, I uh, we basically went into COVID, and because of that, the video that we did with Believe just made a lot more. It, it, it just seemed way more uh, appropriate for the time, so we put that out first, which, which normally you would never do because it was a ballad, right? Um, you know, but it, it just it, the lyrics were right for the time, so we did that, and and now we're uh, we're we're going to go back to where we we should have started with uh with uh Saint Valentine. Gotcha. Well, I know you kind of you know you mentioned to us last time we talked, and I've seen you mention at other you know places about that your guys' sound was you know designed to be like a new classic rock sound, and Saint Valentine's kind of like the perfect accompaniment of that on this album i think oh yeah absolutely i mean it 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 speaks about what the the whole thing's about i mean this song i i kind of uh you know i wrote the song on an airplane uh in my head i didn't have a guitar in hand uh and i wrote it with intent you know i knew i wanted this kind of song on the record so yeah that's kind of why i was kind of dreaming it up on the plane or, or you know or whatever um but yeah it, you know it's 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 that yeah it's, it's just a good old rock and roll song you know I, I miss bands like the faces and and uh you know humble pie and and that stuff and uh you know this kind of uh brings me back to that stuff a bit yeah well you also recently released the video and I really dug the kind of upbeat comic strip vibe to it. Talk about that. Was that kind of a the director's idea, or is that something one of you guys came up with? 
Yeah, no, that that was again the director Ian Fisher, our, our the same gentleman who did believe. Uh, you know, we were, you know, obviously there's still limits to what you can go and film because of uh, COVID restrictions and all that, and 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 the ability to get a good film crew and all that stuff, and and so we basically uh, we basically just you know tried to figure out how we could get the band together you know, um, for the shoot and, and, and just basically without doing any kind of storyboard or any kind of thing where you had to get into production, just kind of come up with something that was fun and lighthearted and, and captured the vibe of the song. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think we managed to do that. Um, you know, I think the uh, comic strip thing makes it interesting to look at. It's a nice way of kind of sticking our toe into the lyric video pool. It's kind of a lyric video, but then again, it's kind of not. So, you know, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, you guys put out the video for Believe, and even though the song's uplifting, you know, it had a lot of, different imagery than what you get from St. Valentine. So it's a good contrast in styles from the, you know, these two videos you guys have put out so far. Yeah, no, you know, and I, and I hope we, you know, one of the things, you know, when, when I get asked about, you know, oh man, it, it's such a drag that COVID happened with, with you releasing the album. And, and to be honest, I mean, not that we would have ever, we would ever wish for this in a trillion years, uh, but, you know, you, you can look at something and go, the glass is half full or half empty. And, and I, I mean, I might as well look at it as half full and I go, okay, we're not able to play. We're not able to do any of the things that we would normally be doing. Uh, but one thing we do have is a lot more attention on the net from everybody. So, you know, here we are with a brand new album that, one of the things I tried to do with the album was make it something people would want to listen to from start to finish, you know, and keep the quality of the songwriting, you know, way up there from, you know, the beginning right to the end. Uh, Because we did that, we can kind of, you know, keep trying to figure out how to come up with these videos every month or so and and get a new release. And and the songs uh, here, I believe, actually deserve the video uh they deserve the attention for it because i think we've got quite a quite a lot of uh you know uh substance on the record so you know i'm just looking at it as uh looking at it as we'll try and fill up the time uh, until we can get out and play again is you know releasing a, a different video every month and a half or so so the idea is to keep keep doing that like is just as many of them as you can throughout the album? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, all the songs, like I said, they're all the worst song on the record. I mean, I can't say worse, but my <laughs> least favorite song on the record, I could see doing a video too. I mean, there's no filler, there's no throwaway. So, you know, as long as people seem to like it, uh, why the heck not? We need uh, we need to get out there some some way or another, and and at this moment in time, the videos are the way we can do it. Like you mentioned, I mean, Music Box is strong from beginning to end and across the board, but Keith England's vocals on 
St. Valentine and throughout this album really kind of set it off? Like, talk about what you think he brings to this album. Oh, he, 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 he personifies, the voice personifies that classic rock sound we're talking about. Um, I mean, it's really funny because when I write the, the uh, lyrics and melody lines to the songs, I, I kind of have, you know, I, you know, it may be Steven Tyler in my head one time. It may be Glenn Hughes. It may be Don Henley. You know, it, it depends. I mean, the thing about Keith's voice is he immediately evokes any of those. Uh, you know, he, he has as classic sounding voice as anybody. And he did just a phenomenal, phenomenal job uh, recording the songs on this record. You know, one of the songs is your guys' cover of Jumpin' Jack Flash. And kind of, I really like the decision to slow it down and kind of make it your own more of a kind of, I mean, it's already blues based because it's a stones, but that made it even more so the way you guys did it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I I've been playing, you know, here at the beach where I live uh, on Sunday afternoons for quite a while. And I kind of developed that version kind of wanting to do like a humble pie jam one day and I just broke into that lick and because couldn't think of any words ended up singing those lyrics and it works and it just fell together and we've played it so many times it's really taken on a life of its own I mean in truth I mean musically I almost don't even feel like it's the same song anymore but we did keep the lyrics so um, you know it's one of my favorite things on the record but yeah, I'm sure it's probably Mick and Keith's favorite thing on the record because they'll get the royalties from it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're <laughs> right. It, I mean, it's, it doesn't, you know, it sounds like a different song until the end when you guys kind of pick it up in the, the Stones fashion there, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, for for my taste, that's the reason to do a cover to is to you know, not recreate what, you know, the greats already brought to it, but try and visit it from a different angle. You know, I, I, I love, I mean, just like, you know, I mean, with the passing of Eddie Van Halen this week, you know, I got to think about that a lot, but I mean, I remember the first time I heard you really got me. And, and I mean, <laughs> I, I I was I was so clueless at the time. I remember listening to it, going, "God, I don't remember the guitar player and the Kinks being this good." <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, you, you you see what they did, and, and I mean, you know, Van Halen did it a bunch of times. You know, with Pretty Woman and yeah, you know, Dancing in the Streets. You know, they they revisit a song, they they take it to another place, and I think that's great. You know, I I, I mean. You know, you don't know who actually wrote the song in the band. So, you know, it, you could be covering anybody's song when you do it brand new like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same way. I've always loved to hear an artist's, you know, own take on someone else's music like that. Yeah. I mean, but, and that's the thing, you know, for, for me, it, it's telling a story. The, the song is a story. But, you know, it's how do you tell it? And that's where, you know, like I said, different different styles, different people have different ways of delivering the message. And 
and that's the beauty in doing a cover tune. Yep. Well, you kind of mentioned, you know, not being able to tour in support of the album, but kind of being a lifelong musician. Like, how do you navigate through a time like this, you know, on the business side of things without shows? <laughs> you do whatever you can. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, obviously, you know, people are, you know, doing things where they perform online, where they're doing sessions from home, where they're doing lessons. I mean, I'm still giving my guitar lessons here. I'll shamelessly uh, plug those. If anyone want lessons, hit me up. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, uh, you do what you have to do. Um, the, uh, the shows, uh, we're, we're going to start probably doing a few things. I know we, we, we just did a, uh, live, uh, virtual concert for rock and roll San Diego recently. And we're, we're planning on playing a socially distanced, uh, thank you concert somewhere uh, in Vegas. They've got this going on in a couple of months. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about doing things. I mean, I've got the band getting together and rehearsing, you know, once a week, just because I, I want to, uh, I want to, you know, I, I got to play live just for myself. I mean, even if it's not in front of people, I, I love playing, you know, we, and we have a really good place to rehearse and we all go and we are very socially responsible and wear our masks and everything. So, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to take care of the, the situation as best as we can, but we're also trying to continue to live our lives and, and create at the same time. Right. Just speaking of your lessons, do you do you have students that are all levels or is it mainly people that are already established and just trying to like hone their craft? No, you know what what I like to do with the lessons. I mean, I, I say you you can learn wherever you're at, but of course it's more fun to you know, teach people who are already accomplished on the guitar. I mean, what, you know, I, I go if there's a reason why you why are you going to learn from me rather than the guy next to me or the guy next to him? I mean, you know, you've got 8 billion videos on YouTube that you can go to for free that will show you how to play any song you can kind of think of. What's the reason for coming here? Well, none of them can look at what you're doing and really refine what you're doing. I've had you know, 40 years of recording experience with the best producers in the world. I know what they look for when they're, when they're asking for you to lock in with grooves, where they're asking you for dynamics, all these little things, subtle tone things that you can do. I mean, it's stuff that we, you know, that normal lessons don't even, uh, don't even usually encompass. and, And, and that's, that's where I really have fun doing it, where I get to work with some really good players and, and do that. But at the same time, if you're a new player, well, that's great too, because that means you've got no bad habits to break. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, it, it works every way. But, uh, you know, um, like I said, I think you'll get a lot more bang for your buck if you bring some knowledge to the game. Right. You know, being an artist that's played 
so many different genres and styles throughout your career. What do you think you're, what do you think you're most or you're best at as far as when it relates to teaching someone else? Um, you know, I mean, music to me and genres and styles, I mean, it's, it's all the same 12 notes. Um, it's how you play them. It's the attitude. It's the style you choose to play it, but playing, playing music, and reading a song is the same. I mean, if you can have an open enough mind, I mean, the the, the basic semantics behind the song, you know, you, you want something that gets people's attention. You want something that's, uh, that makes an imprint on the psyche. You know, that doesn't change. And, uh, you know, putting guitar to that, I mean, whether you're playing thrash metal, whether you're playing country, it's it's the same set of buttons, you know, it just it, that you're going to have to press to to get the result. You just do it in a different way. Right. I mean, you kind of mentioned writing the songs like for Music Box. I've always kind of wondered, like when you look at, say, your some of your solo work with the instrumental music, like when you approach, do you approach an instrumental song? and a song that's going to have lyrics and melodies, like do you approach those different or is it still the same process for you when it comes to writing? You know, I, I suppose I said, here, here's the thing. I mean, cause any of these songs on my instrumental record, you know, they were kind of written as songs. Now, yeah, they're instrumentals, but you know, the song format, you know, there's a verse, there's a chorus to everything. I mean, you could put lyrics to pretty much most everything that's on the record. Uh, so really, I would say I wasn't looking at it radically different. Um, I just didn't worry about lyrics. And, and when I'm thinking about the melody, I was just singing with my guitar, which is something I try and, and you know, going back to the lessons, I, I, I try and I, I can never elaborate enough that it, you know, it, when you play guitar, that's your throat. You, you know, you're singing with that instrument. It's your voice. And, and that's really what you want to think of the way a singer, you know, uses different peaks and valleys when they sing loud, when they, when they belt out that big high note, well, man, we just explained what you should do with the solo. You know, you should have these peaks and valleys and you, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, and, and have something at the end that just, you know, really, uh, really is like the pay payoff. And, uh, it's the same thing, you know, if it's, it's playing music or, you know, or uh, playing solo or, or writing a lyric. Gotcha. Well, you mentioned Eddie Van Halen earlier and you kind of, you came up, you guys kind of came up at the same time and you were already playing by the time, you know, he was on the scene. After you heard his music for the first time, did he have any effect on you in influencing uh, anyone? I mean, yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone on this planet who heard Van Halen who wasn't immediately. <laughs> I mean, I am not going to say you were driven to go out and play like him, but I'm sure that you, anyone who heard that for the first time who had an interesting guitar, even if they were you know, playing nothing but the blues had to go, what the heck did that guy just do there? <laughs> I mean, it, it was from another planet. So of course it did. You know, what's really funny is I played 
Right at the very beginning, like one of my first professional gigs, um, you know, my first real band was the kids, but I did a couple of gigs with other bands and the drummer in one of those bands, uh, was also a guitar player. He, uh, he actually plays with, um, Oh, Oh, who is that guy? Um, David Allen Coe. Um, but, uh, he showed me that tapping trick like way back in 1975 or 76. Now, when Van Halen came out, it wasn't, you know, until 78 that we heard that. And remember, we didn't have the uh, benefit of YouTube. We didn't have the benefit of uh, MTV even. You know, unless you were going to a Van Halen concert, you had no idea what he was doing on that guitar. Yeah. And it was really it was really funny because when I first saw that trick from my friend in the uh, previous band I was talking about, um, I immediately tried to play it and you tried to do it and fumbled over it and went, that's that's a lot of work for nothing <laughs> and put it away. But it. it, it it, it never left my uh, my uh, memory, and when I'm trying to pick out eruption, I think I put two and two together because I, I figured the, the uh, third the third uh, triad that Eddie plays in eruption, you can't really figure that out how to play it on guitar without tapping, and and I put the two and two together, so it obviously affected my plan. I mean, I started tapping and, you know, even though Van Halen was the reason not everybody had seen Van Halen do that. So, you know, but I kind of, you know, I totally got it because of Eddie. Um, and, uh, I, I did it a lot when I first started playing, uh, until Pat Thrall took an interest in my plan. Um, and, one thing he said to me, he goes, man, you do that great, but you should stop because you're going to sound like every other guitar player. He goes, when, you, when you get to L.A., you'll see what I mean. This was just before I came out here to play with uh, Alfonso Johnson, which Pat had hooked me up that gig. And he was right. You know, I mean, you, you had a, a world of incredibly good guitar players and we'd all been getting schooled on that stuff. But. You know, I, I kind of laid off of it again until uh, until I wound up joining Talis. And you know, there, there was no way I could look across the stage at the amazing stuff Billy was playing <laughs> and keep from tapping my own neck. Right. <laughs> Earlier in the 2000s, you did that little guitars cover for that uh, tribute album. Like, how did you approach uh, that uh, as far as, like, not... You know, so you still sound like Mitch Perry, kind of like we talked about earlier with Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah, you, you know what? I didn't really approach it that way. I just tried to do a good representation of it. I mean, this is it. I, I did that song. I did that song because, um, you know, I was asked to, and and it was paying you know homage to one of my heroes, and I was playing with some great players on it. But if you had asked me to cover a tune, would I have ever picked that? And I would have said no. And you would have said, well, why? And I would have said, what the hell am I going to do to this song to make it better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the, smart, the smart generals don't fight battles that they're, uh, that they're not going to win. So, you know, um, 
that that would be something that I would have never covered. But in in this context, doing it for a tribute album where most of the guys on the record were basically trying to go and honor the sound and the style of Eddie. You know, I, I did my best at trying to do that. You know, of course, I got to do it, as you said, on little guitars. So that was a challenge, but I'm pretty proud of what we did. Yeah. Throughout your career, did you ever play any shows with, with Van Halen or at least see him live as a fan? I don't know. I, I saw them, uh, you know, a number of times. I, I never played on the same bill with them, um, but I did see them a number of times. And, you know, um, you know, like I said, I was not a, you know, not, I wouldn't say, you know, I couldn't say I was a friend of Eddie's, but uh, I've been fortunate enough to meet him and get to talk to him a couple of times. So, you know, I, I, I tell you, uh, it, it's, it's still, it's been over a week and I'm, I'm still, you know, that everything seems a little flat, you know, uh, it, whatever your your opinion of music i mean the the guy is undeniably the most influential guitar player and, and for me i mean I, I i just think what he created was mind-boggling and amazing and, and in the retrospect of you know of thinking about it this last week I'm more blown away now than I was a week ago. Yeah. And he, he was really something special. Yeah. It's been really cool to see all, you know, musicians across the board, you know, just talking about stories of whether it be them, you know, their interactions with him or just their favorite music, that kind of thing. Yeah. No, and it really has. There's been some really neat things, you know, and just going back and revisiting, you know, some of the old recordings, like I listened to those demos that Gene Simmons did with the band in 1976 and listened to a live concert from uh, Fresno in 1978. And, and it's just mind blowing how those guys knew what they were doing and knew where they were going and had their sound way back then. You know, Eddie was taking that guitar to another place. <laughs> So, so long before any of us even had a clue. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Oh, well, my, my pleasure. And uh, thanks for uh, giving us a chance to uh, do that. There you go. Mitch Perry of the Mitch Perry Group. A huge thank you to Jody Best of Best Bat Promotions for her continued support of us here. And, of course, a massive thank you to Mitch Perry for taking some time out there to talk to everything he's got going on with the Mitch Perry group. And of course, some Eddie Van Halen talk as well. If you liked what he said there about Eddie Van Halen, check out episode 292 because it's got a lot of other great artists on it, like Robin McCauley, Mark Slaughter, Frank Hannon, Paige Hamilton, Jim Wilson, Eddie Valise, a host of other great people. So look into all that. And of course, check out Mitch Perry's 2020 album from the Mitch Perry Group, Music Box. If you love classic rock, you're going to love this thing. All right, so we just jump into the next one. Right on. All right. We've got an interview now with Mike Mostert and Tony Cavino of the band In Theory. Mike was actually on this podcast earlier this year, 
episode 257. We talked about this back when we, after we first recorded that, or recorded this new interview a few weeks ago. But we recorded our first interview with him before the pandemic started, and then it was actually the first episode we released during the pandemic, because I pulled right. it up, yeah. and that's what we were talking about. I think we had took two or three weeks off, because I was out of town and all the crap that was going on. But All hit, yeah. Yeah. So and Here we are, still in the middle of it. Yeah. Mike Mostert helped us kick off the Thunder Underground era of the pandemic here, <laughs> or the pandemic era of the Thunder Underground right. podcast, and yeah. Here we are six months later or more, actually, because that was March, so I think nine months later, and I'm sure next March we'll still be dealing with this as well. But. <laughs> yeah, 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 unfortunately. Yeah, but like most interviews from us or anyone anymore, that subject always comes up somehow, mm-hmm. and it comes up here with Mike and Tony. When Mike was on here last time, he was promoting... The Go-Go Family Tuner album, or the Go-Go Tuner Family album, sorry. Mike is the owner of Go-Go Tuners, which a lot of great guitarists use, and that album has on a ton of his guitarists that are on his roster, and of course some other musicians that aren't as well. And Tony Covino was on that album on a couple songs, and that was kind of the debut of In Theory. And now they've got a couple other singles out. We played Heroes a couple few weeks ago. They've got more coming, so let's just get into this and hear what they have to say about all that. Here's Mike Mostert and Tony Cavino. Heroes has been out now for a couple months. It's a great song, and it looks like the reaction's been pretty strong from fans and from radio play and everything. Like, what's your guys feeling on the response so far? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, so far, I mean... Uh... You know, everyone who hears it loves it. Um, you know, it's a it's a great song uh, from from what they're telling us that they like it a lot, and uh, you know we're psyched about that because that's obviously the reaction we wanted. Uh, so you know, so far so good. Uh, it's been positive. Yeah, we're, we're we're really uh, pr- proud of the song. You know, this one. Um, the, these next set of songs up the new <clears throat> up and coming in theory record and heroes is the first single, you know, uh, it, it, I, I call it the, uh, in a lot of ways, the, uh, the pandemic, you know, um, you know, record of a pandemic, uh, single, <laughs> you know, it, it actually, because of, of the, uh, you know, nature of, of the, the world and everything, it just, uh, it locked everybody away. And then Tony and I just really worked on our craft as, as singers, guitar players, writers, and producers, and really want to elevate our, our game to, you know, to, to be, you know, in, in a way like, you know, a contender, like to be a really great band. And um, so this really gave us the, you know, the luxury, you know, of, you know, as you know, time is a very precious thing to get. And, uh, and Tony and I were just very, very fortunate for almost four or five months. We got to write almost like 70 songs, 80 songs and wow. narrowed it down and fine tuned it and, and just, you know, really just worked our asses off just to, to make something that we, we thought was making a statement of, yeah, here's a great band and here's something different. Yeah. That was kind of one of my questions. Cause last time we talked to you, Mike, back in January, you were talking about how you guys were going to record in early spring. And so this pandemic kind of changed your timeline, but I guess in a positive way. 
Oh, uh, originally, like, yeah, I was going to bring everybody down to uh, Muscle Shoals and do a, in, in one aspect, like an old school recording, you know, like when how the Beatles recorder led Zeppelin. And I think we spoke about that in the last interview. And in some aspects, we still got to do a bit of that, uh, except there really is the biggest difference was Tony was um, doing his vocals in New York, but still everything else. I was still flying around the United States. I did still like the majority of the the bass and keyboards were all done in Muscle Shoals and all the guitars were all done in Muscle Shoals. So that aspect was still the same. And on, I think the first two songs, um, we did the vocals out in California, the background vocals with uh, with um, some of the Stevie Wonder folks, Alicia and Stevie Wonder. And then we also brought in uh, Andy Sinisi from Missing Persons as well. On, on, that's what you hear on Heroes. So, um, so yeah, so I, I was the guy still tra- traveling around and uh, doing this. But, um, but yeah, to, to answer, yes, it just it made us better. And uh, there you go. Well, is this, uh, I mean, is in theory, like it's officially you two guys? Is there, like, do you guys have a, a drummer or is that someone that's kind of changing throughout the album? Yeah, officially, you know, it's, we call the band, but the, the band is, is uh, Tony and I. And then depending on the, um, you know, of course we, we want a continuity of the sound uh, of the band, but we do have different drummers. And um, so in, in a lot of cases, in the case how we're, we're doing it, we have a East Coast drummer and a West Coast drummer. You know, and our West Coast drummer is, you know, um, Andy Sinisi from Missing Persons, and our East Coast is um, Justin Holder uh, from Muscle Shoals. And Justin's recorded probably close to about a thousand records. He's probably been on, you probably heard a lot of records that the, the guy's been on. And um, Justin's been on, I think, two of our tracks, and Andy's been on two of our tracks. So it's, it's sort of divided like that. But, there's definitely still like there's a continuity of a band, which is what Tony and I want to keep. But but at the end of the day, it's still the vision of um, Tony and myself. Well, when we get to that point where you can do live shows, is it going to kind of be the same way like East Coast and West Coast as far as who's performing with you? Or will you kind of worry about that when the time um, happens? Well, what we're going to do is uh, I think we're going to do our first official launch um, in, in Muscle Shoals. Um, because I think this is one of the rare places that we could do this. And, you know, in the United States, uh, especially like in New York or California or, or a big city, um, even though there, there has been the pandemic, they, they are still a little bit jaded, you know, as far as coming out and seeing bands. It's almost like if you're a cover band, you can get a big crowd. But if you're doing something original, unless you're a big name, it's, it's quite, or if you sign, you're not going to get a big crowd. Um, here, it's quite different where we know, you know, we're going to try to combine, like, you know, because basically we had Clayton Ivey um, do keyboards on our, our tracks. And Clayton's, he sold about 400 million records, and he's a Muscle Shoals legend. And Justin Holder is, is a Muscle Shoals legend. And on two of the tracks, we brought in what they call Shoals Sister. She's, she's done what saying on a thousand records or so. Again, anybody from like Linda Ronstadt, Paul Simon, like the list just goes on and on. But um, but what we're going to try to do here is it'll be the launch of 
um, you know, like in theory of the band and we're going to do a big theater production. And of course, you know, invite um, DJs all over the world and, and stuff. But we do think it'll be a huge event. And, you know, I know Fox um, wants to come down and film it and, and do a documentary behind it. We have the local radio behind it. And, and of course, just the local legends by themselves, when they play by themselves, they can sell it out. But the fact that we're bringing in, you know, I call like, you know, this Tony's like this unknown entity and everybody's heard it down here, the legends, so to speak, or they're all freaked out to hear or, or to hear Tony live, you know, and then you add, of course, the Stevie Wonder folks and the other, uh, so we're going to try to do a bigger production and combine, you know, a couple of projects in one where it'll be sort of like a go-go thing, but, but the debut of, of in theory, like really live. You know, so yeah. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna alternate drummers, so I'll I'll have both drummers there, depending on what song they played on the record. Yeah, that'd be that's something definitely to look forward to. Is this uh do you guys have a timeline as far as the album? Well, fingers fingers crossed, uh right now I think we have what twenty what, five songs in the can? Five done? Yeah. Yeah, I was um I was just saying how we we have three that still need to be, you know, uh, polished up as far as uh, mastering. And well, one is one is hundred percent done with mastering, and then we have two that are done recorded. One needs to be mixed and mastered, and the other one just needs to be mastered. So we have three. We have three in the can, and and me and Mike are, uh, you know, um, currently uh, writing the next batch. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we we could have three more songs out, and you know, a matter of a couple of weeks, and then you know, once we start right, working I on it, the river song. song was mastered already, right? Yeah, 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 once that one's complete, and uh, right, so and uh, and, me- and there's another song, memories that mixed but not mastered, and and then there's a uh, song we just finished, uh, right where we belong, which has to be mixed and mastered. So, you know, it could be. You know, I mean, listen, it's all on our timeline and the studio's availability. It could be, you know, we could have it done in a week or depending on everyone's schedule. So as getting in the rooms and having the people mix it that we want to mix it, um, it could, you know, be up to a couple of weeks. But we have three done and we're currently, uh, I think we're going to start up this week of me and Mike just starting a process of coming up with you know, uh, nurturing the next set of ideas. Right. Well, coming, coming up with their next 70 pages of songs. Right. So is the, is the idea to release the singles as they are completed and then put out the album later? Um, no, we're, I think we're leaning towards, <clears throat> we may actually release the other three in one batch. Um, okay. you know, um, we, we've been, we've been going back and forth on that, but, um, while it is a singles world, um, I think while you know you do release a single, people get sort of a feel for the band. But if they hear three or four songs, then they're they're actually capturing the feel of an album. You know when you know when you listen to it could be anything a Motley Crue record or Led Zeppelin record. You know the depending on you know how many songs you listen to off the record, it's giving you a feel. Opposed if you just heard. You know, whatever. But say you just heard "Ramble On" for the, you know, like you're not really getting feel for the record. You're getting a song. You get a feel for one song. So we're we're almost leaning. Let's give people a feel of what we're about. You know, I think we're we're leaning towards that route. You know, where we're doing three or four songs, and then 
on the next batch, whether it's three, you know, if it's three, then we'll release three, but if it's more, then the batch after that will be the full record after that. Right. Well, going back to, to heroes for a minute, like lyrics can be interpreted, interpreted however, you know, the listener chooses, but what are those words? Mm -hmm. Who are your heroes and do they lie mean to you personally? Well, it was, um, it's basically a cautionary tale of in today's world, be careful who you idolize. Uh, you know, we, it's another word for heroes, but people, you know, whoever you're following, whoever you think is the person they they always, they always got a secret. They always got a story that you don't know about. So it was like my take on, um, you know, uh, basically that everyone has a flaw and, you know, just be careful who you worship and who you look up to. It could be, you know, today's day and age, you know, obviously it could be a politician. It could be an actor. It could be uh, a sports figure. Um, I just think that sometimes people to put too much into someone else as opposed to um, leaning on their own character or maybe something, maybe somebody in their own house, maybe like a parent, a father, a cousin, an uncle, uh, we always look to, uh, you know, social media or, or television to, to, to find someone that we think is successful. Um, but, you know, maybe there's things right in front of you that uh, you should probably put more of your time and energy into. Yeah, as far as politics, we've seen a lot of that in the last week or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The song's yeah, fitting. right. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> the, the song's fitting for, uh, you know, no matter what side you're on, the song fits. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, Mike, that you guys wrote all this material like during the pandemic. And I read in like one of your bios that you guys had been playing together in one form or the other for nearly 30 years. So like how has your chemistry developed over yeah. that time as far as playing and writing together? Well, we, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, like Tony uh, and I are brothers, but we, you know, it's, it's a love hate in the creative, creative process, you know, and <laughs> I always make a joke that, uh, if there was, if Tony could physically put his hand through a zoom camera and choke me, uh, he probably would, you know, <laughs> um, but I, you know, but I definitely, um, because, you know, I, I wear a couple of roles with the, with the, you know, with, with the project. So I'm not only the guitar player, but I'm also the producer. So, after I do my guitar stuff, I have to put on the producer hat and then, you know, I'm producing, um, you know, Tony and, you know, and, and I push Tony cause you know, the thing is, um, you know, Tony, you know, Tony's a very humble guy and he's also very, um, um, in a lot of ways, he's very hard on himself, you know, and, and also I, I'm looking from the outside in of, you know, what can I do to bring out the best of, of Tony? So, um, so I, I just, I, I push him and I push him and push him. And I know there's things that he doesn't hear that I hear. And, um, so yeah, <laughs> while we get along great, um, I think sometimes we just, we drive each other crazy cause I'm definitely, cause, um, I just, I, I push the hell out of him. <laughs> well, as far as producing goes, you know, you can push him, but when it comes to your own work, like how do you kind of separate what you're doing on the guitar from in the producer's chair, basically. How do I do it? You know, it's, um, 
you know, I have a lot of stuff. Pretty much always, I always go two routes. You know, there's, there's always X amount that I already know what's what it's going to be, and then the other part is um, quite you know improvised and and just what's coming off you know off the off the cuff. Um, but the best I can say, while I'm critical of myself, you know, I always say my my philosophy is it's always about the song first. So, um, so I, I just have to resist sometimes. Um, I can go into a shredder mode if I want, but I, I try to resist that temptation and do what I feel like it's like kind of cool for, for the song. Well, Tony, two of my favorite singers of all time are Glenn Hughes and Chris Cornell. And I hear elements of both of them in your voice. Is that, am I kind of off base or are those guys that you look up to or who are, who are some of your influences? Yeah, no, I mean, that kind of, I mean, first of all, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, you know, obviously I would probably sprinkle, uh, you know, um, J.B. Cannon from Rival Sons in there, Robert Plant. Um, but yeah, Cornell, I mean, I, I hear that a lot. It, a lot of people com- compare me to Chris Cornell, um, you know, just in the way we sing, I guess, the, the, the tones and the stuff, um, which, you know, which is pretty amazing i mean these obviously amazing singers um but yeah that that would kind of and, and glenn hughes is, <laughs> i mean i mean come on even back back when they were in deep purple uh the guy's just a phenomenal singer you know um you know so yeah i, I i'll take that any day <laughs> <laughs> well as far as the pandemic goes you kind of mentioned that this is a singles market anyway and with everybody kind of oversaturating it with, you know, at home stuff, whether it be acoustic or Zoom style videos, like, have you guys thought of any other ways to promote your music or you just kind of going the, the normal route with pushing it to radio? Um, right now, we're going the the normal route, but, we, but we're fortunate that we have, um, you know, we, we do work with some, you know, really good radio people behind us and. Um, so in, in that route, I mean, that's in a lot of ways, it's traditional. I mean, we're, we're just, we're getting this tons of, of play, you know, through, you know, I think right now, so it's something like 75 radio stations or so, um, you know, and it's increasing on a daily basis. So yeah, we're, I think we're, um, as far as doing like uh Facebook live, we're, we're not really sure yet or anything like that. Um, if we can do something, um, down here in Muscle Shoals, you know, if, to get that live stream would be actually would be one of the goals as well. You know, so people who can't come here can can actually see the real debut of In Theory Live would be actually quite amazing. So it, I think I think it will be very it'll just blow people's mind. You know, I mean the the talent of, of the, the people in, in the band, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, you know, and everybody, everybody's a monster. Uh, I mean, any of the backup singers, you know, and, you know, and then there's definitely when you hear the new singles, you'll, you'll hear what I mean too, where, you know, we're bringing in choirs, we're, we're doing all these like, you know, um, there's, there's definitely a lot of layers and depths to what we're doing production wise and to bring that out live with these monsters, I think it's going to be phenomenal. Last time we had you on, Mike, we talked a ton about the 
Go Go Tuners album, like for you, Tony, on the couple tracks you were part of, I think it was three tracks. Like, what was your experience working mm-hmm. on that, and like your thoughts on the album as a whole? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it was a great experience. Um, you know, I got to sing on a ballad, and um, you know, uh, do like a sort of duet thing, which I've never done before on a ballad. Um, and then the, you know, the in theory songs that are on the record, that was sort of our, you know, we were just getting started, getting our feet wet. Um, so, you know, th- th- that was like the beginning of it. Uh, but the experience was great. I mean, you know, and, and, and to be on the record with all these other people who were well-known and amazing players, um, you know, it was an honor to, to be on the same thing, uh, the same record with those people. Well, as kind of tough as that was, Mike, to get everybody involved with that first album, like, does this pandemic, like, give you thoughts of shooting for a second one now because it might be easier to get people involved? Um, no. <laughs> you know what? Um, I obviously, like, in theory, my baby, and then, um, and then I'm also doing a record with um, uh, Lanisha Latimer from Stevie Wonder. She was on the Go-Go record. Um, and she was actually on three of the songs. She's singing the harmonies with Tony uh, on the Heroes. In fact, she's the backup singer on Heroes. Um, so her and I are working more on like a like an R and B type of uh, project. Um, but it could have easily, you know, it could have easily went that route. Like if I wanted to, it could be like, oh, let's add one theory song, one with their one. Um, but it's it wouldn't be easier just to know like how I'm wired. Um, and how I like to be, um, um, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a very nice way. You know, some people call it controlling, but I just call it, you know, hands off. You know, and while the, the there's a great technology, look, people record, um, you know, Grammy-winning records from their, you know, their, their bedroom. I mean, right? Billy Ellis has just got what ten Grammys to record the record in her bedroom. Uh, and while the te- technology is so great. I still like to be there in the room and getting an interaction and give my feedback. So if I was going to do another Google record, I would still, no matter where they are, uh, just like on the first one, I would, I would still like, I still would have to fly all over the country to do it or all over the world to do it. So, um, um, no, so I don't think it would be easier. Gotcha. Outside of, all the work you guys have put into in theory this year, have you spent your personal time during this pandemic? Uh, well, for, for me, you know, it, it's been, I, I call it actually like, um, as far as, um, I just want to be the, I just want to this, like, um, that's why I can say it into this amazing, like learning phase where I just want to learn everything, not only just musically, you know, it could have been, I think even guitar-wise, if I heard somebody finger-pick something, I heard a lead or a, so I hear a record, I'm like, how did they produce this? To you know, to studying, um, you know, like like quantum analytics, to you know, you know, reading, you know, more more like you know, Sun Tzu and and reading on just anything I could absorb to to learn. I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to. I just felt like. All right, now, like time, like I said earlier, time is such a luxury that I just want, really just want to learn and, and, and try to become a better version of myself or a more well-rounded 
version because you know when life um you know puts you back in the rat in the rat race you you won't have that time anymore right so what about that's you sort of what i've been doing uh with, with me i just sort of like well obviously you know immerse myself in what we're doing with the band um and also on a you know personally with you know singing i'm constantly trying to get better at my craft um and you know there's a lot of stuff that i sing that is sort of like i just sing to sing um you know just to keep my chops up um but it's all basically in my own studio i do that uh plus i got you know i got two young children nine years old i got nine-year-old twin twin boys so you know i bring them to school and and pick them up at school so it's kind of cool because you know, I can do my music and, you know, I got, you know, I could be around for my kids and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, you got to take the, the good from the bad, right? It's, that's kind of a positive thing. So, you know, that's, that's basically, that's basically what I do. Anybody has small kids, they know it takes up a lot of your time, you know? Right. Awesome yeah. guys. Well, I love the new single and I'm looking forward to the, the next ones as they come. And I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Thank I mean, you. We, we're the ones that appreciate the time and you know, thanks for the support and playing it. Yeah. The kind words uh, on the single. You know, I'm glad you re- really like it. Like you said, it's been a definitely a work of uh, hard labor and, and a lot of love and pain and Tony choking me to, uh, <laughs> to put this <laughs> thing out. So I, I really, I really appreciate that you like it. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. There you go, Mike Mostert and Tony Cavino of In Theory. A huge thank you to Jody Best once again for her continued support of our podcast. We need to make shirts that say I heart Jody Best. Right. It's just like me and you own. I mean, we could sell them because I'm sure a lot of pe- other people heart her. But you know. I, I'd wear one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll get to them made for, to start with and see if we can sell them. <laughs> Jody, of course, from Best Bet Promotions. And then, of course, a huge thank you to Tony Cavino for joining us for the first time and Mike Mostert for joining us for a second time. Once again, like I said beforehand, check out Mike Mostert on episode 257 as well. Check out the Go-Go Tuner family album that came out late last year. Great stuff on there. Check out their recent single Heroes and look forward to what In Theory has coming in 2021. All right. If this is your first time listening, we greatly appreciate it. Besides those previous episodes we mentioned from Mike and Mitch Perry, we've got 301 other episodes you can check out. John Crabby was on here earlier this week. We had on Severmind to celebrate 300. We recently had on Mike Spritzer of Devil Driver, Paige Hamilton of Helmet, and a long list throughout the years that includes guys from Kiss, Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, Shine Down, Damon Johnson of Brother Kane, man, Kirk Winstein of Crowbar, John Connolly of Seven Dust. The list goes on and on. Good stuff. All types of music, whether it be glam, rock, or whether it be death metal. We've got it covered. We've even got Jason's favorite rapper, Vanilla Ice, was on here once oh in 2019. And my favorite country artist in modern history, Shooter Jennings, was on here a few years ago as well. <laughs> so, see, we branch out even further. Uh, we go all over the place. 
So check out all that great stuff. You can hear it all at thethunderunderground.com. You can also see all our socials there. So click on those. Like, follow, subscribe. YouTube is at The Thunder Underground. Subscribe there. We have recent reviews of albums from Hatebreed, Dark Tranquility, Alter Bridge, Napalm Death, Metallica, Saul, a lot of other great stuff. And speaking of Hatebreed and Dark Tranquility, those are two bands that will be featured here in the coming weeks on this podcast. Definitely. Michael from Dark Tranquility, I believe, will probably be next week. He might be one of the older ones we have left now. Wayne Lozanak from Hatebreed recently talked to us. Kristen Mikado, formerly of Il Nino, recently talked to us. That was a fun one. We've also got ones coming up with the mighty Red Beach of Winger and Whitesnake. Matthew Nelson of Nelson. Eric the Trainer of Main Monster. And Eric Bass. There you go. All these are coming. And I know there's at least one or two more that I'm forgetting. But be on the lookout for all that stuff. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, or wherever. Subscribe to us so you don't miss any of that stuff. Greatly appreciate it. Once again, a huge thank you to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions, Mitch Perry, Mike Mostert, Tony Cavino, Hella Hot Hot Sauce, Sunset Tattoo, Med Farm at DEB Concerts, and until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.